Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Uh, 1 Kings 18, chapter 18, verse 36. 1 Kings, chapter 18, verse 36. We're going to read some Bible today. So if you haven't read your Bible this week, don't worry. We're going to get you caught up today. Okay? Yes. Amen. Um, all right. So I'm going to start reading. And it says, uh, at the time of sacrifice, the, prof- the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when the people, I didn't give y'all this verse, but I'm going to read it anyway. Y'all just going to have to listen. But if you're in your Bible, you can read it along with me. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. All right. So jump with me to 1 Kings 19, chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8. 1 Kings 19, verses 4 through 8. All right, and the Lord, uh, no, the Lord doesn't say that. Jason's adding words to the Bible. Oh, God, forgive me. (laughs) So verse four, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down underneath it and prayed and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my Life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up ate and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Herob, the mountain of God. All right. Told you I was going to read some Bible today. Uh, Jump with me to 1 Kings 19, uh, and we're going to read verses 13 through 14. All right, and then it says, uh, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your servant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. If you're taking notes today, uh, the title of the sermon is Run to Me. Run to Me. Hey, all across this room, can we bow our head and close our eyes as we go to God in prayer today? Uh, Father God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the God that you are. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, in this moment today, we ask that you would have your will in your way. God, Lord, we completely surrender to you. Lord, we give it all 
to you. And we know that through you, Father God, that you will bring revelation, that you will bring truth. And Father God, you will bring deliverance and restoration. Today, Lord, we come to lift your name high and to magnify you. Let that be done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Run to me. Run to me. So, uh, you know, we talked about kind of this whole you know, birth of a vision, right? And so this kind of like falls into that. And so kind of thinking of like what story exemplifies like this idea that you can have like the promise of God come to fruition, but then you can have this extreme low at the same time. And so we, you know, we're, me and Allison, we started reading the Bible and trying to think of like what story does that? Like who has like a big high and a big low, right? Who sees God come to pass and then like who goes like and hides from God and is desperate and wants to die, right? And so Elijah, here we are, Elijah. He's arguably one of the, if not the most famous, one of the most famous prophets in the Bible, right? And so here Elijah is, and it's incredible, this story, right? Because if you, if you like, if you start from 1 Kings 17, I think that's where you start reading the miracles that God starts doing in his life. Elijah shows up kind of out of nowhere. There's no like, you know, usually the Bible will give you like genealogy and who's his bloodline and where does he come from? There's not much of that for Elijah. Elijah's like this guy who just shows up out of nowhere, doesn't have much of a backstory, but we see God use him incredibly. He doesn't come from, you know, famous fathers or anything like that, but you just see that God uses this man who doesn't have what people would think that you would need to have in order to be used, right? So it's, it's like, it's the same, you know, where God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called, right? And so I, I think that statement is true for Elijah here today. But we see Elijah, and man, when I talk about this guy sees God's hand at work, like this guy sees God at work, he goes, and in 17, he is fed by birds, the Bible says that ravens came and they fed Elijah. Birds came and fed this man. That's, that's pretty amazing. I don't know. That, if, if I'm Elijah, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think God is pretty real at this point in time, right? So not only does it happen after that, but Elijah, he gets up and God calls him to go to a widow. He goes to a widow and he's at her house and she don't got no food. She don't have enough money to get food. And Elijah says, can you feed me? She's like, I, I don't even have enough food for me and my son. I can't feed you. He says, feed me anyway. That man crazy. <laughs> That man crazy. I'm not feeding you. I don't care what God told you. I'm not feeding you, man. But here he is. He shows up to this lady's house, and he says, feed me, and another miracle happens. She feeds him, and not only does she have enough food for Elijah, she has enough food for her and her child, and the jar of flour never runs out. Day after day, she feeds him, and the jar never runs out. It stays full. The oil never runs out. It stays full. Another miracle from God, dun, 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 right? It's like, this guy's like, he's like seeing God move at hand. Not only that, he brings trouble to her house, right? Well, at least that's what he says to God. He says, God, why have you like allowed me to like bring trouble to this? Or no, she told him, why have you brought trouble to my house, right? And so her son dies. Her son becomes ill and he dies. And she's like, why have you done this? And so Elijah goes and he takes a child and three times that he, I think he lays on the body or something like that. And three times he does this, he makes his declaration and the child comes back to life, right? He's seeing all these miracles. It's crazy. So three miracles that we see in just one chapter, right? 
that we see God move. So if anybody knows that God is real, I think it's Elijah. If anyone knows that God can deliver, I think it's Elijah. If anyone knows that God can provide, I think it's Elijah. So then after that, it continues, man. This guy's like, he's like on a winning streak, right? So God tells him to go and to call out, you know what I'm saying, the false prophets and to go and to, to put a sacrifice and he'll call down fire from heaven. And he says, go set it up. So he goes and he sets it up. He's like, hey, you know what I'm saying? It's like a UFC kind of battle kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm calling out your best guys. I'm ready for it. I want all the smoke, right? That's what he's telling them. So he calls all the prophets and he says, hey, I give you a challenge. I challenge you that we'll put a sacrifice and that whoever God calls down, whoever, whichever God brings down fire from heaven and lights the offering on fire, that is the one true holy God. So the false prophets are like, okay, all right, we accept, we accept. So here they go, and they get in this thing, and they go through the whole ordeal. They chant, they cry out, and the whole, this guy's Elijah's the worst, right? Because he already knows what's up. He knows that God is real. He knows that God is going to come through because he's seen him do it. He's seen God come through. And so he's, he's mocking them the whole entire time. He's like, where's your God? Why haven't they lit the fire yet? And they start cutting themselves. They're so desperate for their, like, their false God to light this fire. They start cutting themselves and nothing happens. So then here's what Elijah does. Not only does he ask for God to come down and bring the fire, but they, they wet. They wet the offering and they wet the wood and they, they wet it so much that there's a trench around that fills up with water. Four times, they dumped buckets of water over this offering, over this sacrifice. Four times. So then here he is. He just says a prayer, and God rains down fire from heaven and lights the offering. And the people's heart changed towards God. And then he kills all the false prophets. This guy's wild. Like, he's not scared of anything. Immediately after this incredible victory, in chapter 19, Jezebel says she's going to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Elijah, I'm not really worried about her. Yo, I just killed a bunch of prophets. I seen God rain down fire from heaven. I saw food never run out. I've had birds feed me. I saw a kid come back to life. Like, I'm not really worried about Jezebel, but here he is. The Bible says that he runs and he hides under a broom tree, which is like a bush. It's not even like a tree. It's, it's literally like a bush. And if you're going to hide under there, you can't. It's not really something you hide under. You'd probably have to crawl into it if you're going to get shade. Bible says that he crawls into there and he hides and he cries out to God and he says, I want to die. And so I started reading this story and I started thinking, I'm like, I guess I approached it from, I I think God taught me a lesson. So I I approached it and I I started reading the story and I'm reading it or interpreting it with like this judgmental tone, like, yo, what is wrong with this dude? He's seen God show up in the most incredible ways, and he's here hiding out, saying, I want to die. Like, what is wrong with this man? Like, oh, I get it. Like, he hasn't, he hasn't read enough self-help books, you know, to, like, strengthen his mind, you know, and to, like, you know, to be mindful, you know, have think the right thoughts and think all positive thoughts, you know, and remove all negativity. Like, this guy is, like, messed up. Like, how do you see God move in such an incredible way, and then you find yourself hiding on a tree, hiding from Jezebel, because you're scared, right? And I got convicted because sometimes I think in the church, right, that we have this idea that we have to have it all together, right? And sometimes we hide depression 
or we're ashamed of our depression or we're ashamed of the lows that we go through. We're ashamed of sometimes the financial predicaments that we find ourselves in. Like, I'm supposed to be here leading at the church and I got like $14 left in a bank account. And I'm here talking to people on how like, how God provides. <laughs> And I'm here hurting right now, you know? And so I think I looked at the story and I just felt like God was convicting me on, you know, we sometimes we celebrate too much of our highs and we don't, and we, and we don't understand the lows. Or we don't place important on the lows. Or we don't even celebrate the lows. And I, I think we'll get to that point. But sometimes you got to celebrate the lows. Because the Bible says in our weakness, he is strong. In our weakness, he's strong. How do you know God is strong if you've never been weak? Wow. Right? So I think it's important to understand. That. Now, this, I, I find myself in this story a lot. Right? And so we're, we're going to get into this point. But I find myself in this story a lot. And maybe you find yourself. I don't know what your journey looks like. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what you might be facing, what you've gone through, what you're going through, what you might go through in the future. But can I tell you, man, that God is faithful. Can I tell you that God is faithful? And so as I was reading this story, I feel like there's a couple of points that stood out to me that if we're going to walk this walk, if we're going to see all that God has for us, there's some things that we have to apply, some practical steps that I think will help us throughout this journey. I think the first one, if you're taking notes, is remembering God's goodness. Say it to your neighbor, remembering God's goodness. I like the way you said it to me. I'm just saying. I like my neighbor right now a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but remembering God's goodness, right? Point number one. And so if you can, um, I'm just going to read it from here. But Lamentations 3, 21 through 25, uh, we find this is Jeremiah. And he is, the verse before, he is incredibly distraught. He is incredibly um, He's, he's depressed. He doesn't feel like, he feels like he's all alone, like he doesn't got it together. And, and here is where he's, he's like going through these motions of how he's like going through it. And then he says this. He says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. And what I thought was important about that verse, he says, then the very first thing he says, yeah, I call this to mind. I remember God's goodness. So can I tell you today that if you're going to walk this journey, you got to remember God's goodness. You got to remember how God provided. You got to remember that moment when you thought all hope was lost and that you weren't going to make it out and you didn't know where your next check was going to come from or where the next meal was going to come from. And somehow somebody came to your, your place with a plate of food or with a tray of food or somehow some way somebody gave you a call for a job that they had for you that you don't even know how, how you got it. You didn't even apply. Somebody recommended you and you had no idea that they put your name in there. So you got to remember God's goodness. Can I tell you, there's some times a check showed up in the mail and we had no idea where it came from. But can you say, I remember God's goodness. I was reading, I was reading a study on why is it important to remember? Why is it important to remember? Here's this like, none of, nothing about it was like spiritual, you know, nothing about it was like based on like, remember God's word or anything. It's just, you know, like 
two scientists talking about, you know, why it's important to remember. And what was interesting is that here's this, the guy who's writing the paper, the research paper, he's trying to see, he's, he's going through it and he's like, how come I don't remember how I used to remember when I was like 16 through 25? I just, I remembered everything I was doing. I remembered every book I read. I remember every you know, process, procedure. I remember it all. There's nothing that I didn't forget. But then as I got older, I started remembering less. And he comes to a colleague, I guess it would actually be like a mentor, like a neuroscientist who's like well-known in the field. And he goes to this guy and he's like, he remembers this guy specifically because every time he would interact with him, this guy could recall everything he's ever read older gentleman in the age, and he could recall every book, every page, every research that he's ever done. He could just recall it. And he says, how do you do it? Well, like, what is it that you do? And he says, it's simple. You have to decide to remember. And it spoke volumes to me. It spoke volumes to me because how many times have I been at like my lowest of lows and I've completely forgotten all that God has done? Elijah in this moment, he's not, the Bible doesn't say that he recalls to mind the miracles that God had just did like a couple of days ago. It doesn't say that. It says he's just, he's caught up in his own sorrow and his own grief and he's just sitting in there. But can I tell you that you will find hope, that you will find refreshment when you remember all the things that God has done. Some of you in this room today, you need to go home and you need to take out a notepad and you need to start writing out all the things that God has done, all the ways he has showed up, all the ways that he has provided, all the times that he delivered you, all the things that he has taken you out of, you need to write that down. So when the dark times come, when the sorrow comes, when the depression comes, I call to mind the goodness of God. That when the winds blow and when the waves crash, that you're anchored because you remember his goodness. Joshua Chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it says, To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? God told them to take stones and to stack them up. And he did it for a very reason. He said, what do, you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Even God is telling us that we need to remember what he has done. Maybe it's not even for you. Maybe it's for your generations to come. So they know how God showed up in your life. I think, you know, the Bible says uh, Abraham in all Romans 4, 18, it says that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. How do you stay in hope? Church today, I think the way that we stay in hope one of those ways is by remembering God's goodness, that that would be our anchor in this life, you know? Yeah. Uh, so reading, what, like, what stood out to you? Well, I think remembering God's goodness, but the, the other thing that stood out to me when we were going over this is replacing the lies with God's truth. And now going back to 1 Kings verse 19, um, chapter 19, verse 13, where God calls to Elijah and asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, verse 14, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. When I was going over that, 
it stood out to me. The problem was he'd become so isolated in his own thoughts. He believed in his own lies when, in fact, God set aside 7,000 prophets that have not bowed to the false god. And yet Elijah was saying, I'm the only one. The question I have here is what lies have we told ourselves when facing uncertainty? Am I the only one going through financial difficulty? Am I the only one going through marital issues right now? I'm the only one going through this depression. We've told ourselves that. We fed ourselves these lies thinking that we're the only one in this situation. Nobody else can relate. Wow. You see, Elijah made the mistake of thinking that he stood alone in God's promise and his plan. And this caused him anxiety and distress, but God reminded him he wasn't alone. And today, God has given promises through his word to let us know that we're not alone in our situation. And here, I mean, there's so many to pull, but Philippians 4.13 reads, he is your strength. Deuteronomy 31.6 says he will never leave you. That's good. Jeremiah 29.11, he has plans to prosper you. John 14.13, he hears your prayers. Exodus 14.14, he will fight for you. John 14.27, he will give you peace. And my favorite one, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, he will always love you. That's good. Now, God had to teach Elijah an important lesson. And just because he wasn't working in the way Elijah didn't, how Elijah expected, didn't mean God wasn't working. So it's remembering God's goodness and replacing the lies with the truth. That's so good. I mean, uh, you know, I think those are the things that like, stood out to us. And, and I think my favorite part about this story, you know, is that, you know, obviously, right, remembering God's goodness, we need to be intentional about that, that you're not going to, life is not going to tell you like, hey, these are the great things that are happening, right? When, when life comes and when the winds blow and when the waves crash, when that stuff happens, like, it's not your first instinct to remember the goodness of God, right? But we have to be intentional about it. And then exactly what you said, replacing the lies with truth, right? It's easy, and it's in isolation. It is easy to believe that you're all alone, but once you get around community, once you get around people, you start to see that there's others that are facing the same things that you have gone to. But what I love most about this story is that, and what I feel like God spoke to me, is that this story wasn't so much about because I think I approached it in the sense of like, how do we prevent from being depressed? right? How do you prevent from life happening, right? I I think that's like the approach. That's what I was looking at it or through the lens that I was looking at it. But I feel like God spoke to me the story. And I've heard this story so many times, right? And I've always heard it in the premise of how he was running from Jezebel scared, right? But I feel like what God spoke to me was that it's not so much who Elijah was running from, but who he was running to. Or who his spirit was running to. He was running from Jezebel, but the Bible says that he cried out to the Lord. Yeah. Can I tell you, my darkest moments, I wasn't crying out to God. I was wallowing in my pain and my misery, and I just, I felt like I couldn't approach to God. But I believe that Elijah had something right here. That the Bible says that he cried out to God. And it wasn't even a positive prayer. He said, God, I want to die. Take my life from me. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to die. And the Bible doesn't say that God rebuked him. The Bible doesn't say that God chastised him. The Bible says that he fell asleep and when he woke up that there was bread to eat. 
that there was bread to eat. You know, I think it's powerful because it reminds me of Psalms 40. I didn't give them this verse, but Psalms 46, 1, it says that God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in trouble. Man, what I think of what's beautiful about this story is his depression. Because if you live life long enough, you're going to be depressed. If you live life long enough, you're going to go through it. If you live life long enough, you're going to doubt God. It's going to happen. But who are you going to run to when those moments happen? Can I tell you that if you remember God's goodness, then when you do face oppression, you're going to cry out to him. Can I tell you that if you replace the lies or truth, when you do face the uncertainty, you're going to cry out to God. Yeah. I just spoke volumes to me. You know, a few weeks ago, Jason was out of town and I was home with the boys and it was a Saturday. I'm catching up with some chores and their boys are playing outside and I love my boys. Shout out to the boys. I think they're watching online. Um, but they you. are very adventurous. Yes, too adventurous. very bold. And I'm just not qualified to just handle blood and, and injuries and all that stuff. <laughs> if you know me, you know, like, I faint. You know, it's pretty bad. But they're playing outside, and when I go outside, they're going from the driveway, the top of the driveway, and it goes all the way down. They're not wearing their helmet when they're riding their bikes, and they have a bad habit of not wearing their helmets. So I tell them, I need you to wear your helmet. I don't care what you're doing, but just please wear your helmet, please. Fine, okay, they put their helmet on. I go inside, I go in my room, I fold some laundry, my window's open so I could hear, you know, I'm being a good parent, so I could hear and, and listen to them. <laughs> but they're playing, and if you're a parent, you know what's a real cry, and you know what's a fake cry. And there's a cry that you just drop everything and you just know to run. So I had that cry where I hear a scream and it was just like, I can't even describe it. My heart drops. Instantly, I stood up and ran to the door. As I'm running to the door, Jordan's running closer and I, I knew it was him. His scream, his cry, it's getting closer to me. I opened up the door He's holding up his arm, like his wrist, his arm is dangling. He's trying to hold it up. Jason's running behind him, trying to comfort him. And, and you know, he's freaking out too, because he's just like his mama. But he's freaking out. Jordan's screaming his head off. He's holding his arm and he's bleeding. From the side of his, his waist to his leg, his arm, he's just bleeding. Instantly, I look at my first reaction was just to bring him in close and, and just kind of hug him because, one, to be honest, I thought I was going to faint. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, like, I can't, you know, like, I'm about to lose it right now, but I need to get it together. And then second, I just knew he was in so much pain, and I, my first reaction was to bring him in close. And I tell him, Jordan, Papa, I need you to calm down. I need you to stop screaming. I need you to control your emotions right now. I know you're in pain, but I need you to control it. Because one, mommy might fall on the floor. And two, we need to figure out what's going on. I don't know if you broke an arm. It looks bad. He says he can't move it. And so we make our way to the couch. And Jason, he knew exactly who to call. He called his dad and got him on FaceTime. And what a way to interrupt your job, right, babe? In the middle of work, I'm like, I'm like, hold on, guys. A FaceTime call oh, <laughs> to, that, to Jordan screaming, me screaming at Jordan, I need you to calm down. Jordan's going to be okay. And we get to the couch, and Jason, I love you, babe, he has a, a way of just make, making things better. You don't even have to physically be in the room, and you just make things better. You better compliment me, girl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. But I have his dad on FaceTime. He's trying to figure out, all right, let's figure out, you know, I need you to calm down, Jordan. We're trying to comfort him. We realize, okay, he can move his wrist. It's not broken. He's really hurt and scraped up really bad. So they had the great idea. Um, I'm just going to share with you because you might think it's funny. But they had the great idea. Jordan, um, Jason, his older brother, told Jordan to run really fast down the driveway. Run as fast as you can. And I'm going to push the bike behind you. And we're going to see which one is faster. So Jordan's running, and the bike obviously caught up and bumped Jordan in the butt, and Jordan went rolling down the driveway, scraped the entire side of his body, and hurt his arm really bad. But when this happened, I mean, at the moment, it was I was terrified. But what stood out to me when we're going over this is Jordan knew exactly who to run to. He knew that running to mom, he would feel better. He knew that running to mom, there would be comfort. That mom would know what to do. Mom would know how to handle it. Mom had the resources, the capability to help you in this situation right now where you don't even, can't help yourself. And so my question for you today is, who are you running to? When you're facing problems in life, because life will try and knock you down. Your situation will try and break you. But who are you running to? Are you running to the problem? Are you running back to your addiction? Are you running back to your comfort place? Or are you running to the Father? And what stood out to me is Jordan knew who to run to. Because it wasn't in his might. It wasn't in his power. But he knew running to me, running to dad, was going to be the only way. And so that's what stood out to me. That's so good. Yeah, I... uh... The Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. When I read this story, it got me thinking, this man of God, the, like, he's seen miracles that, like, I would dream to see. And yet still somehow he finds himself in a place so dark that he asked God to take his life. Yeah. Today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if it's if you're struggling with addiction or you're struggling with depression or you look in the mirror and you don't like how you look or you go on Instagram and you constantly compare yourselves on how you're not measuring up to what everyone else is doing. And you thought at, you know, I thought at 25, I would at least have my life together and I would at least have a career or at 30, I would at least have done this or by 50, I would at least have accomplished this. And it's this comparison and you, you don't like who you are and you don't like where you're life is at and you're depressed and you're sad and you're sorrowful or you look at your bank account and you don't know how you're going to make it make it to the next day or fill your car up with gas and here you are in this dark moment and you don't know how you can get out of it and I think what's important about those moments is that we understand who to run to and it sounds simple I mean like it's I mean we know to go to God like that's a thing that we know we know that like he helps us right but somewhere along the road, I have, count, I have found myself countless times avoiding God. In my darkest places, avoiding God. When he set it up the complete opposite way. See, can I tell you something? God knew you were going to be jacked up from day one. Adam and Eve said, we, we're jacked up. He's not expecting you to be perfect. God knew you were going to struggle with that addiction. God knew you were going to be depressed. And that's why in his scripture says that he'll heal the brokenhearted. You can't be healed if you haven't been broken. Amen. 
And so here you are hiding from God and saying, God, I can't come to you. I don't have it all together. God, I'm addicted, and I keep doing this thing over and over again. I keep going to that website over and over again. I keep going back to that person over and over again. God, I can't come to you. But he's saying, come to me. I, You know, I saw that when you shared that story, it got me thinking. Everything, you dropped everything because you heard the cry. You're, and you're, we're human and we're, we're, we don't measure up to God, but imagine, imagine our God, angels worshiping him 24-7, calling out how holy he is. Hold on, shut up, angels. I hear a cry. Off of my throne, I hear a cry. I need everyone quiet. My child is crying. I, I feel like that was Elijah. He cried out to God, said, God, I want to die. And he wakes up with food for a journey. God, I want to die. And God strengthens him. God, I want to die. And God gives him what he needs to keep going. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't chastise him. No, I think it's like that scripture says. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up Amen. the wounds. We're talking about running. And so many times in my life, I went through seasons where... I wanted to run. Running away was my solution. And going through these seasons in my life, I, I was fed up. I was on E. I was just drained. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to do life with anybody. And my solution was always to run away. I wanted to run from my family. I wanted to run from my marriage. I wanted to run from church. I was done. And I wanted to run from God because I was so hurt. I was broken. And with doing that, I remember one moment specifically. I remember I couldn't even be in service. I was so broken. I couldn't even open my mouth to worship him. I went to my car and I broke down crying in tears. I had no words to say. I was so hurt. And in that moment, I put on some worship music and I just let it play. Like as I'm crying, as I'm sobbing, because moving to Georgia was one of the toughest seasons that we ever went through as a family, as a couple, but individually, it nearly broke me because I was going through so much and my first response was to run away. And I remember putting on this song and, and God was speaking through me through these lyrics and I'm gonna read some to you. You're not alone. Look beyond what you can see. Close your eyes and just believe. In the moment where it looks like you lost all your power, in the moment where you are all alone, as you wait for me, as you wait for me, sometimes there's just nothing left to do. So you wait for me. I will never leave you. I will come to you in the midst of your heartache. I will come to you in the midst of your pain. I will come to you in the midst of your loneliness. I will come to you in the midst of your rejection. I'll breathe new life into you. I will renew your strength. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and shall not faint. And I remember sobbing and just, I had nothing else in me, but all I could do was just cry out, in his presence and it was just so interesting because every time I would run I was always running right into him 
thinking that I'm running away. I got this, God, I, I'll figure it out. You know, I'm going to run away. I'm going to do it on my own. And every single time I was running right into him, always into him. And he knew exactly where to find me. He knew exactly how to comfort me. And we're talking about this and I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know if you can relate to a season like I went through, like you went through a season like that in your life. Or if you're currently in a season right now like that, where your solution right now is to run away. There's nothing else to do. I'm just going to run away. But can I encourage you today to run to the Father? He yeah. knows exactly what you need. He loves you. He'll stop everything. He'll drop everything just for you. Because he loves you. You're his daughter. You're his son. Run to the Father. Don't run away. Because every time you try to run away, you're always going to run right into him. I promise you that. That's so good. I mean, if we could have everyone stand up on their feet today with us. So we begin to close out service today. I'm reminded by the scripture that says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And church today, I think this society, this day and age, we've presented an image that we need to have it all together. You go on social media and it's all highlights of how amazing life is going and how awesome things are. But the Bible says opposite. Not to glorify the things that we're great at, but in our weakness, because that's where God shows up. It's in our weakness. It's in my failures. It's in my inability. It's in my dark depression where I don't feel like my life is worth anything, where I just want to die. It's that's where God shows up. My weakness doesn't disqualify me, but it actually glorifies God because that's where he can show up and show his power. And church today, call across this room if you just close your eyes with me. And Allison shared those lyrics, and it's a song that has been special to us and special on this journey. And we just wanted to play this song. And as this song plays today, I just encourage you to just close your eyes and to just take a moment and just allow God to speak to you. And we pray that uh, whatever you might be going through, whatever you might be facing, that you would draw close to God today. That you would know Take that you could come before God with all your mess, with all your baggage, and he can work on it. That you can see his power today. His power to give you strength. His power to restore you. His power to heal you. His power to break the addiction. His power to restore your marriage. His power to restore your relationship with him.
across this room, if I could just, if we could just lift up our hands and make a declaration today. If you could repeat after me and say, Lord, today I cry out to you. I don't have it all together. I'm a mess, but I know where to run. I know my weakness doesn't disqualify me. My depression doesn't make me shameful. But in fact, all it does is allow your power to show up for you to be glorified. Lord, I cry out. I need you. I need your help. Work in my life. 
break the chains of bondage. Break the chains of shame. Break the chains of depression. May I see your power at work in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now all across this room, you can um, have a seat. And if I could just ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. It's Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at MyGreater.